Okay, so this is Nicole from 15 Minutes of Sane, and we're going to wrap up our podcast on men, all things men. And we ended it with uh, 22.4 men per 100,000 died from suicide in 2017 compared to 6.1 females per 100,000. So mental health, are we really doing enough? And how, as a society, have we improved uh, the options for men and how they can uh, define their value and their self-worth and what can we do to improve on this staggering statistic. Uh, Three times the number of men are taking their life compared to women. Yet when you hear a woman say she suffers from anxiety, depression, she's lost, she doesn't know where her place in the world is, she's feeling unloved, she's feeling unworthy, the world rallies around them, you know, let me get you help. There's a support group, there's medication, you know, let's exercise, let's talk about it. But men, uh, and in particular, um, men who are over the age of 40, men who are veterans, men who um, have been uh, burdened with being the breadwinner, maybe when they didn't really want to be, or they feel the responsibility to provide uh, too much uh, all by themselves. And as Melissa shared, you know, they didn't have a partner to pull the weeds together with. You know, what as a society have we done to contribute towards men's mental health struggles and what can we do to improve that? Chris, I know this is something you're passionate about. Jump right in. Oh yeah, this is. Uh, thanks for including these these uh, these bullet points in this discussion. So I think we could almost speak for everybody, but I think it's probably something that most people can agree that men, um, the stereotype of being a man in today's culture is to be a rock, to be uh, to be steadfast. Um, even in our, with our young men in sports, we teach them to be overcomers, to to, to overcome adversity. Um, so we build in them a um, a, a set of beliefs that okay you can overcome anything and um, show no weakness if you show weakness weakness that shows that uh, you know that you're 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 a weak person uh, versus um, saying hey if you have an issue maybe you know you can strengthen this area um, so overall as far as manhood goes I think as a culture we've we've put men in a position to where they can't ask for help because they don't want to show weakness. I come at this from a, uh, you know, having uh, a history in the military and in law enforcement. It's even uh, more uh, magnified in those career fields as well, because uh, you know you're supposed to be able to have strength and show, take control of situations. And God forbid you're in a situation in your own life that you can't control. Uh, and if you can't control your own life, how can you do your job um, and control other people's situations? So. Um, yeah, the, the pressure of being of that male stereotype that you have to be the rock and that you need to be strong for your family. And so when my daughters or my wife are hurting, I'm the rock for them. Uh, but who's the rock for me? Uh, so that's something that each each man needs to um, needs to find an outlet for, for sure. Um, I mean, men are, are twice as likely to abuse drugs and alcohol as women. Um, men are, are, are more likely to be homeless than women. I think all of those come back to that um, pressure uh, that culture puts on us. Chris, is that kind of the cost to that toughness? Like, you know, I know so many men who have very difficult jobs 
and are very capable and tough and resilient. But is that the cost that we pay for that? You know, is, is what you just said, the different statistics of um, not only suicide, but homelessness and drugs and all of that, because that's what we, that's what we go to to try and cope with what, what we carry. I think as Rodney has told us, uh, it's a choice, and uh, with every choice, you know, there's a, there's a, you know, every action has a reaction. So Rodney, um, not to put you on the spot, but to put you on the spot, you know, um, can you share with uh, our listeners ways that you and Melissa have changed the dialogue in your home? You're, you're both veterans. You were raised, you know, Southern Baptist, and you've raised a veteran who now is serving in the military himself. Uh, you know, how have you changed the dialogue so that your son feels just as much of a man saying, I'm struggling, as he would bringing home his paycheck? Thank you for the opportunity to talk about this. Because similar to Chris, I, I was a firefighter. Uh, law enforcement, uh, military, and I put myself in lots of high pressure situations, but I wanted to do that. That was part of my, uh, my choice, right? I wanted to see how far I could go. But what I learned from those experiences, and they weren't all positive, uh, they all worked out in the end, right? But what I learned in the end was that it's about balance. That's the key. So you, 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 you test yourself, you put yourself under pressure, and then you have to step back and reflect and think and recuperate and then you go put yourself in the next situation and you do it again and again if if a person's able to do that i i think it helps them to grow and it keeps them from getting burnt out i went too far i burnt out actually um, when i used to live as your neighbor uh in your neighborhood nicole um i was driving four hours one way to work why would i do that that's crazy i did it because i thought that that was my role at the time to provide for my family and I would do anything even up to my last breath to ensure that I maintain that household and you know after it all I burnt out and so I told myself hey this is not healthy I, I have to hit the reset button I have to change my behavior and so I went for balance instead of all of the extreme I wasn't in my 20s anymore and all that what I taught my son as a result is coming from that wisdom and that is um number one you have to stop giving a damn about other people's opinions if you care so much about other people's opinions all the time you will run yourself into the ground just to fit into this group or just to make that individual happy so that you can weave and zigzag your way to some type of you know whatever success that you 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 define i think that's unhealthy I think we all could take a step back and, and, and try balance. There are things in any given situation, there are things you can control, things you can't control. You focus on the things that you can control and you simply mitigate those things that you can't control. I think that's the important thing that I taught my son on how to move forward. So he doesn't have to get to the point where he actually burns out. So Chris, you know, um, your son is a little bit younger, but you know, what does the dialogue look like with our younger men today? How do we help them to feel confident enough to not give a damn about what society thinks or what a particular tribe thinks? 
And how do we have that conversation with them about, you know, choose a tribe that is encouraging and uplifting, not so much um, the, the coolest tribe or the most quote unquote successful tribe, but the tribe that is the healthiest. How do you have that conversation with young men today? Because again, the conversation is completely different with the younger girls. And, you know, uh, Rodney only has a son. I only have a daughter. Chris is the one who's got both. And so how did that conversation differ between your oldest and your middle and your youngest? Well, uh, so yeah, I think, um, you can force the conversation. You can't force them to accept it (laughs) or to understand it. And like Rodney said, uh, he was just running and running in his twenties and he could survive that as, and as the years went on, he came to that realization that, man, I can't maintain this, this, uh, this pace. And so he gave that wisdom to his son. Now, will his son apply that wisdom to his own life or his son start running too, and then get to that point to where, Oh, this is what dad was talking about. Okay. So all we're doing is giving our kids a point of reference. We're passing that wisdom on to them and it's up to them to apply that wisdom to their lives. Uh, and sometimes at least in my, in my experience, um, I had to learn the hard way on a lot of things. Uh, if I would have just listened to some of the wisdom passed on to me through uh, through other people, um, I think it probably would have given me an easier life for sure. But with my son, he has the benefit of having been raised in a home with a mother, a father, and two sisters. So he has a lot. He's had a lot of female influence in his life, um, and so. I think that's given him maybe a little increased emotional intelligence and uh, kind of given him a, a little bit more um, of perspective than maybe it would have been if it was just me and my son. Um, as far as the conversations go, you asked, um, I have the same conversation with all of my kids. It is a bit different with my son because, again, I, I try to explain to him the, the, um, the role of his, his biblical role as a man. Uh, preparing him for marriage one day and what his roles would be uh, in that as well. But, but ultimately, I, you know, I try, I try to pour into my kids all about the same. I'm not sure if that completely answers your question about, about the kids, but um, let me know. Well, I was really, I mean, it does answer the question about what, you know, this generation did with how they spoke to the young men and the young women in their life, how, you know, what they were pouring into them. But really, how as a society can we normalize what a man sees as macho and, you know, when they are suffering with an addiction or a mental health crisis, how can we have that dialogue be less uh, stigmatized, you know, more of an overall acceptance, the same as it is for women, especially giving the overwhelming statistics that are adversely affecting men? The only cultural thing I can think of, honestly, is um, at least in the um, the environments that I come from, is a lot of the things that men struggle with are culturally normal or even culturally um, encouraged. Uh, alcohol, for example, part of the male stereotype is to to be a drinker, to be you know go back and throw some beers back with the guys kind of thing. And, and while those things are not evil and uh, evil uh, in, in in and of themselves. Those things open doors to cope to being a coping uh, mechanism for um, for depression or stress or, or what have you. If someone doesn't have a more positive outlet to use, so I think some of the culture that we have, at least Western culture, um, kind of leaves us in situations where maybe men are um, more prone to abuse those things. So um, 
we as men, I think, uh, should be um, the ones to start that conversation. So if we see men that are in our circles that are struggling and maybe um, with alcohol, drugs, or just stress, we have to intervene early um, and, and start the conversation because men are great with sitting with each other, great talking about the weather, really terrible about talking about um, struggles. And so to find, um, you know, and for lack of a better terms, an accountability group, people that are that uh, that you can have those honest conversations with, I think are a good start. But we got a long way to go as a culture. Yeah, and I don't think you need a lot of those people, do you, Chris? I think you just need a handful that you can be honest and real with. Um, I, I think that uh, normalizing conversation, normalizing mental health in conversation is pretty important. And I don't know that I'm an expert at it. Um, but, but I think the fact that we don't ever really talk about it is part of the reason why it keeps hanging around. If you, if you, you get, you two guys, you have your lives together. It looks like it, right? I mean, so when you talk to people, people will listen to you. And if you've had any experience with, uh, maybe dealing with depression or burnout or anything like that, you would have instant credibility. I think that's another tool that we can mm. use. We can have individuals like Chris, like Eric, like myself, who actually, you know, have, uh, our lives together and we're living good lives if we actually are honest and open up to people they would likely be more likely to open up to us and maybe we can help you know point them in the right direction so they can get the help that they need another tool that I have found very helpful to myself is meditation um, I meditate on a regular basis and I absolutely love it I think it's a helpful de-stressor exercise is an another one uh, whether you're into exercise or not for some reason I've found that 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 has uh, Lots of positive mental health um, uh, uh, benefits, you know, for for myself. And so, if you if you had a rough week or you, you're having a rough day, even if it's walking, you know, uh, for a couple of minutes, it can really set your mood. So, I think packaging up all those tools because not one tool will work for everyone, right? But packaging up those tools and giving options to individuals that they can find their best outlet, I think that will help also normalize these conversations. Mm. One thing I'll add on to that was um, you just said that, that Eric and I look like we have our lives together. Me giving you the impression my life is together is part of the problem. I'm a straight mess. <laughs> Any given day, I'm a straight mess. But we as men, we got to act like we have all the answers. We got to have everything together. We show no vulnerability whatsoever. Um, and I think that sometimes leads to that stigma. So being real, being you know authentic and showing people, hey, I don't have it all together. But I'm trying, and then here's the things I'm doing to try to have it all together. Um, I, I think that's important. And so that is what makes people hopefully more approachable is that, um, that authenticity. Yeah, I think understanding and embracing your own weaknesses and strengths is really important there. I know that I am by nature a people pleaser, and there's a lot of benefit to that. It makes me good at what I do, makes me good at relationships, um, but I do carry the stress of that. and lose sleep over it, but I recognize that as an actual strength in my life. I just also see the fact that there are a lot of uh, unnecessary weights that I carry because of that. And then I just try to address what they are. And, and I'm with Chris, like I, I, uh, I'm good at, um, I'm good at perception, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, for sure. I, I, I think that we have a long way to go in this area. Collectively, you guys all touched on mo many of the reasons why men struggle with addressing, acknowledging, and uh, admitting that they have mental health struggles, substance abuse struggles, fear of what people will think or, think or say, 
losing their status in the home, not being a good father or role model, uh, appearing weak, being thought of as a failure, being seen as a, as less of a man. But what I'm also hearing, you know, men from three different backgrounds say is own it, speak it, talk it. You have instant credibility when you share your personal experiences. And I think that this uh, podcast, in addition to, you know, your everyday dialogue with your tribes in your various areas, will go a long way towards normalizing the stigma against uh, mental health, in particular with men. And not to belittle what women and children suffer, but, you know, there's not the same stigma uh, that there is associated with men. And um, men suffer for far longer before they seek help, whether they seek it by choice or by force uh, than women do. And I think that that goes a long way uh, or goes hand in hand with them feeling like they're less of a man, that they're not the provider, that they're not strong, they're not the rock. But, you know, when you're an, uh, an empath and you do feel for others, you do unnecessarily burden yourself and then your balance, as Rodney put it, you know, definitely gets out of whack and you end up in a pressure cooker situation where you may not survive. And I think the sobering statistics really point that out. Also interesting to point out that CEOs and very large, powerful individuals in powerful positions, they don't do it by themselves. They have to have help. Huh. They don't do it. They get help. So it's okay to get help. And if we can get men and women, right, to understand that it's okay to get help, I think that helps, again, normalize these types of conversations. Well, it definitely sounds like we could do a whole nother podcast on men's mental health, um, and I would be interested in doing that, but we do have to wrap up today. Um, before we close, though, I want to point out two um, areas where our listeners can go to if they're having some struggles. Uh, S-A-M-H-S-A, it's Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. They offer free and confidential 24-7, 365 days a year treatment, referral, and info services uh, in both English and Spanish for individuals and families facing mental health and or substance abuse uh, disorders. They can be reached at 1-800-662-HELP. That's one 800 662 Four three five seven, and for veterans, veterans can contact their local veterans administration or the Veterans Crisis Line at one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five and press one twenty four seven. Or you can visit mentalhealth.va.gov. I want to thank our panel for joining us uh, for the last four podcasts, and we will touch on uh, ending the stigma and men's mental health. Um, again in the coming weeks. If you have a podcast you'd like us to cover or an idea, please reach out to us at www.15minutesofsane.net or uh, www.15minutesofsane at gmail.com. Make today so awesome that tomorrow gets jealous.